Oh, my eyeglasses are over there, Danny. Oh, okay. You want to find me to find oh, out it, where, where I... No, need not these. Those are sunglasses? Here. Yeah. Could you give me my bag? Thank you. Otherwise, I have to... Sure. Thank you. Today, I'm freezing. That I can see. Let's put that back. Thank you. <laughs> we were looking at this, uh, trying to find uh, Joseph's glass. Could you find the parliament? Yeah, no, the parliament is right there. The parliament. And this is, is this it? Joseph? Joseph Stadt. This is, a, this is the um, neighborhood like that, like here is Greenwich Village, and that is Joseph Stadt. Oh, I see. Where the hell is? Well, here's here's the old kind of the ring road, the old. Yeah, that's right. And it, isn't Joseph's just right off here somewhere? There is one. Right. Well, there's. Where, where is the parliament? Right there. Here. Yeah, that here? red that red square there. Yeah. Well, you see, it should be here. There is a big street which is called Lastenstrasse. And that is a big one. So you have changed maybe the name of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Mm. This must be not far from here. Then. Lastenstrasse, and from there on, this little street goes in. Huh. Interesting. You know, not all the streets. That's a very small street. Very short, very small. It's just one, one block. It block. goes up a hill, very steep. There it is. What? Isn't that it? Lastenstrasse. I can't read that. Yeah, we need a big magnifying glass. I have a magnifying glass. You want it? Well, we might be able to read these streets. We were just, uh, we were really curious to try and find. Uh, it's, it's right here. Let me bring this up. <coughs> you know, I'll tell you something. Why don't you guys, after an hour, change the chair instead of you getting sick? <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea. I had never thought of that, probably because I had the comfortable chair. Well, I'll be okay. Here you have a magnifying glass. I will be fine. Can I not hear a little bit how my voice sounds? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Maybe it's better not. If I get sick, <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> Maybe at the end. <laughs> at the end, yeah. How do you spell that? Love? L-A-S-T-E-N. Oh, wow. In fact... While you're spelling things, I have a question. You said your full name was Elisa. Is that E-L-I-S-S-A? E -S -E. Elise. Elise. Double E on the end. E-L-I-S-E. Elise. Oh, E-L-E-S? No, E-L-I-S-E. E -E. Ah. And Felice, which would be F. Amélie, which is A M E. No, A M E L I E. Uh -huh. It's an accent. And Felice would be F. -E. No, Felice, Felicie. Oh, Felicie is F E L I C I E. French, that's their French name. Felicie. <coughs> I see. Can you imagine me signing that? <laughs> Every time you write a check. Only if you had a little time to spend. Every time you had to write a check, you sign all that crap. And with my handwriting, which is rather 
Not too large, but large. Yeah. Uh, Takes up a lot of room. <laughs> there's no space. I know. If you're filling out forms or something, you know, oh, if, pass, if, if you live in a street that has a terribly long name, you're, you're out of luck. Well, I David, am. maybe we shouldn't spend too much time looking at okay. the radio. Interesting as it is, we'll have to, maybe we should just fly to Vienna sometime. You <laughs> see, the thing is, a small street like that, it's a very small street that goes way uphill. And then on the left side, there is this very elegant kind of a little palace, and next to it was a very modern new house. And the other side of the street was a kind of a house of the teachers' committees. And then there was something, there was a newspaper on the other side, an anti-Semitic newspaper. I know that. There are always battles with the students and so forth. I can't, I don't think that you, the Lastenstrasse must be parallel to the parliament, you see, to the ring with the parliament. Mm -hmm. And from there, from this Lastenstrasse, approximately the other side of the parliament, because one doesn't see it anymore, is in this little street, but not all streets are on such a small kind of situation. Yeah, if it's on there, be, I think we found it uh, the other day when we were just pouring over it, but it took a while. Really? Yeah, what? I think it's on, think it's on there. Josefstrasse? You didn't find that. Next to the Josefstrasse, a couple of blocks next to is a very large street, which is Josefstetterstrasse. Okay, no. that's... That is a parallel street, but much larger. It's a big street. Well, I'm not sure which we found. We'll you see? Yeah, that's, yeah, she's right. That's, that's what we found. And next to it, maybe two blocks, parallel, absolutely parallel to it, is this little Josefstrasse. Here, there's there's a very short street that's labeled Josefs, and then G period, capital G period. It's, it's right S. behind the parallel. It's like two blocks. That G might actually be an S. No. It's very much. A no, G. no, it is really where the Josefstetterstrasse is, and there is a very large street, Lastenstrasse. Enormous street. Maybe they have changed the name. The names, yeah. Josefstetterstrasse, they didn't change the name. This is a, you see, the Lastenstrasse goes this way, Josefstetterstrasse goes that way. Crosses it. And the Josefstrasse, 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 ah, wait a moment. Josef G, G, Josefstrasse. That's it. Okay. Let me see that. It is not Strasse, it is Gasse. Small street is Gasse. Uh, okay. Right there's the Parliament. Okay, and there's the Josef's G. Here's Josef's Stadterstrasse. And that is Josef's Gasse. Yeah, right there. And this must be the Lastenstrasse. Yeah, if you turn it like this, I think you can read that. No, Landesgerichts. Landesgerichts. Strasse the Oh, how, what's it? What's this? Land. What is this Joseph's castle? Let me see. Right there. There's Parliament. Huh? There's Joseph's. Joseph castle. That's right. That's the street you lived on. Exactly. And so it would be somewhere between these two yellow. Approximately here. You see. Yeah. Approximately here. That. Okay. Uh, and the okay. Lastenstrasse is this goes this way. Hmm. But the Lastenstrasse is exactly where the Joseph's castle starts. You see, if that is Josef's castle, then that must be the last castle. 
It was between you and the parliament. Just the, just the avenue that leads into it. I see. So that was a very short street. That's just very short. Just one, and one block, really. And that must be the last Neustrasse, if they haven't changed. Okay. And does, did, the, did the houses have numbers? Yes. And, and your number was? Nine. Nine. Okay. Only the things out of childhood can one remember as well. Yeah, that's true. <coughs> It's easier to remember that than to remember last year. Well, last year I would remember. I would remember every street I have lived in New York, you see. Four or five or different streets, I would absolutely remember. I have a very good memory. But I would not remember every one of the 25 places I've lived in, in Paris, except, except for one where I lived then the last two years in a magnificent little house with Yevse, Rue Lalande, but I don't remember the number. And that is coming from the cemetery of Montparnasse and very close to Danferrochereau. I would know exactly where that is, you see, and where I lived in Nice and where I lived here. I, have, I don't have any memory for faces and for people. I can't remember. I could meet you tomorrow in the subway and I have no idea who you are. <laughs> that was always so. But then a terrific memory for sound. I'll tell you a story because before we start, that's terrifying. One day I was invited in New York to a party where there was a woman singer, and there was a man who is a very well-known Viennese pianist who accompanied always singers. And I knew him by I knew him only by name. And he came and he was introduced, and with him was a young woman. <coughs> no, how was that? Yeah. And then suddenly I said to him, is it possible, that was in the 40s, that in 1937 or 6, you were sitting one day in Milano under the arcades where all these coffee shops are, and you were with a woman who may have been your daughter. That was a terrible mistake I made. <coughs> uh -huh. And you said that you should go back to Vienna and transport the, pa the piano down from the attic down. And he said, yes, that is possible. And they were sitting behind me. I never saw it. That is the ear. <coughs> Isn't that incredible? <coughs> and then one day, New York, a woman's voice called up and said in perfect English, can I speak to Mrs. Modell? And I said, Stava, and she fell down. Mm. It was somebody I had met 20 years before. She only spoke perfect French, never English. Mm. And I had no idea what had become of her, where she was, what she was doing, nothing, sound in English. I'm a musician there. So you might not recognize it on a subway, but if we call you on a telephone... Oh, yes. <laughs> That's very curious, given the, <coughs> that you photograph uh, yeah. well, mostly people and... Yeah, but I don't photograph by memory. <laughs> but then I have found out that if I close my eyes, almost, I can reproduce people's faces in painting and in drawing. 
And that is a strange thing, that, for instance, I closed my eyes and then I made a portrait of Fraudovich and a portrait of a physician of man, <coughs> without looking at them. But then in the subway I wouldn't recognize them. Well, one has, of course, all insanities in oneself that exist. Okay, darling, another question. Well, I think we wanted to, uh, speaking of Brodovich, to talk about Brodovich a little bit. Uh, he, uh, he pretty well described, uh, in general, your work with him at Harper's. And we wondered, uh, first of all, you, we established that it was uh, in, I think you said 43, uh, shortly after the woman bather picture, or a year after, so that you started with the contract at Harper's. The contract was not immediately. That was maybe two, three years later. Well, I think 45 mm -hmm. or 46. This, well, we had, let me see here. The, uh, I think it was, a, it started with the Henry James assignment. That's it, right. That was August of 43. Yeah. Um, and then I wondered um, <coughs> when the contract arrangement ended with them. Do you recall what the, the, there's a gap. Uh, we, we looked for assignments, and you do. Uh and there is another gap because in the, this, I worked for many, many years all the time. And then <coughs> there was something like a change in the publisher, you see? Mm -hmm. And then I got a letter from Mrs. Snow saying, because the, she was very, very much interested in my photographs, that this kind of pictures I make cannot be published anymore in Harper's Bazaar. And <coughs> that consequently they cannot renew the contract, but they guarantee that I will have even more work with them. And I can select many, many of the subject matters, and they are absolutely convinced that what I will bring them will be accepted, and that this was in connection with a new publisher who said rocks like Cartier-Bresson and Lisette Model we don't want to have anymore in Harper's Bazaar. Now, the, the last, there's a whole group of assignments starting in 43 that go up to May of 46, when you did the thing on opera. I think that was the one with people Oh, first. that goes much further than that. But then there wasn't anything published. You, you, how do you know? For, well, we, 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 well, we looked for them through the old Harper's, and we didn't find anything published. Uh, I looked up until the end of 52. And there was, there were no, none of, none of your photographs from uh, that one. And I answered Harper's Bazaar, you see? I don't know the dates. And I answered Harper's Bazaar that I don't agree with that, that I would not bring the photographs. Mm. This was, was this that later? This kind of an arrangement of bringing in photographs on my own, I can have with any magazine. I don't want that. They were very distressed. Now, Brodovich was still there at this oh, time. Sure. But you see, in 1946, in I made this big spread of all the, fo of all the photographs, 46 or 7, this enormous spread of photographs of San Francisco, I remember. Mm. And <clears throat> when was it, goddammit, when I made this big spread of photographs of the old age home of the actors? Well, it's possible that we just... <coughs> that was not, that was not, that was not before. Those and then... These were in Harper's? Sure. Yeah, the circus was in 45. But the San Francisco thing would have to be 47, 
Sure. Or four days when you came back or whatever. I, and I worked very much with Harpers Bazaar at that time. And then there was <coughs> I don't remember that. Well we can probably get But I have many Harpers Bazaar here. Oh you have you have many of the the ones that you're working with? Not all of them, but many. Hmm. Yeah, well, we should probably... And then come, of course, Rome in 1954. Which was initially an assignment? No. Oh, no. Oh, no, but... That was a whole story. Oh, right. You told They wanted me back. You see, and then Brodovich came. And then one day I was called up, and they said, Brodovich wanted to invite me for dinner, and I went to dinner, and he said, we have found out that you are irreplaceable in Harper's Bazaar, and that this is ridiculous, and why don't you come back, and why don't you work? And I said that <coughs> I have been financially so underpaid and I am so bitter about it. Then comes these two new publishers and then so-called the contract isn't renewed. What kind of a contract was it anyhow? And then Brodovich said, I have seen your photographs a hundred times and every time I see them, I'm thrilled. And Brodovich was bored by everything, you see? And, and I said, and then that is the reason that one photograph by Avaron is paid $250 or $100, and that they cannot even give me a contract of $300, and I don't accept that. That was tough, my dear. The kind of a attitude I had was absolutely me, and not like I'm now with this Lon and this lawyer, and Sander will also have to learn his lesson, that I am the one who is in command. Not, not, you see, uh, I love Sander, of course, I'm crazy about him, but the other day he said, I bring the photographs framed for the exhibition. I said, no, you don't. I have to see them before I accept them and before I agree. You cannot bring them framed. That cannot be. And you see, immediately I make a stop there. I'm not a compromiser. And I think less you compromise, better it is. I should not have compromised from that size to that size. He should have had the paper ordered two months ago. <coughs> of course, he didn't know that. Yeah. But the thing is that I did not compromise with Harper's Bazaar. And then there was a talk between Brodovich and myself about assignments I want to do. And I don't know what. Then I made assignments of television. You see, when was that? Of television actors. Yeah, it couldn't have been much before 52 or 3. Exactly. Were, were too many around. And... That was also for Harper's. Yes. Okay, well, we'll have to just go back and look again, I think. Uh, or maybe uh, some of And for instance, know. was a Mary Hill Hotel that didn't publish. <coughs> so many of them were not published, though? It was a wonderful assignment. But uh, then the Maryhill Hotel was not demolished. You see, they wanted to support the old people who lived there for 100 years, all these millionaires, the very rich people. And they wanted to destroy the Maryhill Hotel, and Harper's Bazaar wanted to support them against the demolishing. And then it wasn't demolished, so this, this assignment didn't make any sense. <coughs> yeah. Well, in, in, in working with Brodovich, uh, I mean, what kind of a man was he really? I guess oh, that was a very complicated man. I think. That was a Russian aristocrat and a, an officer of the Tsar. And my husband gave him one look and never wanted to see him again, and it wasn't right.
because Brodovich was an extremely extravagant kind of a man that my husband immediately classified him. That is a diarist officer. And oh, Brodovich was very liberal, you know, and so forth. And once we came to see him in his home, and there were a couple of princes, and the one was running the most fascist newspaper in Chicago, you know. So that wasn't very good. But Brodovich was, besides of being an, a Tsarist officer, he was also a very democratic man, you see. And he immediately abandoned his title. It was Alexei from Brodovich, and he gave that one up. Others didn't do that. <coughs> and his father was a very famous psychiatrist in Russia. And he always said he, were, he remembers the asylums and the insane institutions and mental institutions in Russia, comparatively to them here, before the First World was they were infinitely more progressive than here, and that I would believe. They're terrible mental institutions here. And his mother was the one who was artistic and so forth. But if you want to know what Brodovich was, in popular photography, Charlie Reynolds has written a first-rate article about Brodovich, and I have something written there, too. Is this about 10 years ago? Approximately. Now, um, Maybe a little bit more. I have. <coughs> and I have. There, there you really can, yeah, you really will know what Brodovich was. I have this. Um, no, that's nothing. Which, uh, that is all, catalog, that is all. I will tell you one thing, my dear. Everything these people, everything these people have said about Brodovich, in this catalogue catalog is absolutely unimportant and absolutely senseless and useless. I was the only one who said something which was important. I will tell you what I said. And they didn't print it. Yeah, I noticed there was no printed statement. And that was unbelievable because if anybody knew, all these other people were deeply emotionally involved in Brodovich and he was the great man and the genius and the teacher. And they didn't see clearly because he put them upside down and sat upside the other way around, and they were completely confused with Brodovich, but not me. I saw Brodovich absolutely clearly. All these people had a very, very conflicting relationship with Brodovich, which he wanted. Sadist, masochist. He hit the students, they hit him back. When he broke them in 100,000 pieces, then he was happy. But then he waited until they hit him too. Very strange kind of a relationship with men. Mm. And a very good relationship with women, and particularly with me. Kazmarek, you know, the one who did this picture, <coughs> this is... <coughs> oh, the person we met the other night? Uh... Yeah. When he went to see with me Brodovich, he couldn't believe in which way Brodovich behaved. Brodovich was always very tough and very this, but there is, he kissed my hand and he, he really had this kind of an attitude toward me. I don't know what that was. <coughs> he had really great, great liking and great, you know, kind of a admiration and for me and treated me entirely different. What did you say <coughs> that you didn't print? Or roughly, you know, do you recall? I said, <coughs> you see, all these students were beaten up by Brodovich and he partially, he helped them, he created them, he also betrayed them, you know, in many ways. And you see how mixed up everything is, they say, they say nothing. And I said that for me, one of the greatest importance of Brodovich was 
that he was the only art director <coughs> in America, of course, the others I don't know, who looked constantly out for new talents and indefatigable, that's a French word, he received everybody who came from the street, ex expert photographers, professional photographers, and I don't know whom, in order to find out if there are not new photographers which he didn't know about. Nobody looked up photographs for him, not his assistant, not Passman. He was the one. And introduced into Harper's Bazaar in 10 or 15 or 20 years all the photographers of America and of Europe who never, ever could have been published in any magazine. Like, for instance, Cartier-Bresson, who could not be published in any magazine in America until much, much, much later, and Bill Brandt, and <coughs> Cartes, and me, and Helen Levitt. In other words, always the ones we were the great artists and could not be used, and he used them for Harper's Bazaar. So I find that for an art director, this is a major accomplishment. You see, for instance, there was no magazine who, that would work with me, but Brodovich worked with me. There was no magazine in the beginning who were, that would work with Cartier-Bresson. Brodovich introduced him. There was nobody who knew about Bill Brown. Uh, Brodovich worked with him. And that went on and on. Let me ask you, uh, <coughs> this one. when we, um, David and I first talked to you before we had gone to see Bernice. Um, oh, it's almost two years ago now. And you, we just mentioned Brodovich at one point. And you, um, I had the impression then, and I, we didn't talk at any length about it, but that, that you had some negative feelings about Brodovich in terms of what he did with the layouts of the photographs and so on. And no, 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 that was negative. You know. Brodovich could not do anything with the layouts except what he was doing. When he brought a strong layout of my photographs. He went over to Mrs. Snow, and all these women came together, and they said, no, that cannot be done, not because they didn't like it, because of Hearst. The pictures were too strong. They were too realistic. You know, these are pictures even Life magazine didn't want. Mm -hmm. Life magazine said, when I came to Life magazine, they called me in, they said, as one thing I would like you to know, that when you photograph for us, we want Life magazine photographs and not yours. Yes? <clears throat> and when Ladies Home Journal gave me an assignment, they said, we cut them in pieces because that is the way Ladies Home Journal treats that story. That is not your photograph. That belongs to Ladies Home Journal. And Brodovich tried to make first-rate uh, layouts. And once he did, and nothing was accepted. When he wanted to put a photograph strongly like that, they didn't want that. They said, oh, no, you can't do that. Selected the weaker ones and put it one here, one here, one here, like little candy for luxury people. So f for God's sake, they shouldn't see what there was. Yeah. You see, that was not his fault. And sometimes they sent him forth and back 10 times until he threw the thing down and said to Bassman, you make it. Couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yet he, he worked there until 58. Must have had amazing patience to work in that situation. Unbelievable. Also, he had no money. <coughs> he, he taught at the New School. Yes, and then at Iverdon Studio. He, what, what did he, he taught uh, design? He had one course of design, which I don't know what that means, probably layout. And then he had a course 
of educating photographers he did in a complete crazy and free way, <coughs> which partially may have been good and partially certainly was not. Well, I was curious. Most of these people in, in the book are, in fact, photographers, or a lot of them are, and most of them refer to Brodovich as a teacher. I know. In one way or another. I just was curious. Sure, he was a teacher. He was a teacher. <coughs> For instance, <coughs> but I have never been present in one of his classes. I took over one or two of his classes when he was sick. And what he, for instance, I give you an example. Fernandez brought his photographs in a class. And Brodovich took them and threw them on the floor and said, one cannot make such a sheet or something like that. So that was one of his performances. Well, that was a Russian officer, you know. Hmm. <clears throat> but he enjoyed it thoroughly to break in pieces the other one. And then what he tried to do was nothing that was banal, nothing that was a kind of a mediocre kind of a photograph he could bear. He would direct them directly into eccentricities, into over-dramatizations, anything phony baloney or not phony baloney, fantasy, but anything that looked different from what the usual thing is, he would accept. Accept a banality or a kind of a routine photograph, and that was a very dangerous thing to do. Because he did not go to the root of the photographer's capacities, he immediately started out in throwing him out from the routine he had into a more dangerous kind of a fantasy photography. And that is what happened to Avedon and to Penn. And that is why they never can find their own source anymore. And when I had students and they wanted to go to Brodovich, I said, I'm all for it, but they have to be aware of that. Brodovich sent me all his students. He talked about my photographs. He showed my photographs. He he sent them to my classes and so forth. <clears throat> and Brodovich didn't mind that I said that. He knew that. But he didn't, he wasn't able or had no interest in pushing you out into some different, changing the Never, way ever. Why do you suppose he, he didn't try because to do that? Because he felt, darling, that I was in the right place. And when he felt that, he didn't touch it. He had that sense. Were there other photographers that he left alone? Sure. Cartier-Bresson, Evert. Whoever had his real roots be brand, he wouldn't touch that. You see? Mm -hmm. you, you must have, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, you, you did work with him for, for quite a long time. Just, uh, I wonder if, if you feel like with all your contact with him and all the work that you did with him, if you learned anything Nothing. from the way he dealt with your <clears throat> Nothing. There was once, after he was in France and very, very ill, came together. Ben Rose and um, all these all these people who had been here, his students and had made big careers, <coughs> excuse me, and others, <coughs> and they sat on a huge round table, and they started to say, "The great genius Alexei Brodovich, and now, let's realize, boys, that without him we wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Men of fifty, and <coughs> yes." Yeah. And I listened to that, and nobody here would be anything without him, 
And then I raised my hand. And I said, I'm sorry to say that my relationship to Broderick was not that, that I worked marvelously well with him, but I have never learned anything from him. And they hated me. Because I wanted to point out to them that I'm not one of them, that if they wanted to be little boys to the rest of their lives, under the great, great life of Brodovich, whom they called a genius, which he wasn't, that's up to them. But this is not true. So they don't like me. <coughs> and could you give me this little last bottle? Sure. <coughs> this bottle? Yes. This, and you know, I, uh, Charlie Reynolds, he laughed his head off, and he was very happy that somebody said it. Yeah. But of course, not many people were in this position. Yeah, it sounds like there were only a handful of people who really... And you know, before Broadwich left, he said to me, you know, he said, I have never done anything creative in my life. Do you have to change that? No, I'm just hmm. looking at it to make sure... I have you. always imitated everything. My son, who is a little amateur photographer in color photography, does more than I. I have failed in painting. I have failed in photography. I'm a little better an art director than anybody else, but I've never done anything original, and that is why I wanted to make all the young people creative. That was his last words to me. He was a very honest man, dear. And I agree with him. Nevertheless, Brodovich has stimulated and created the whole Madison Avenue, so you can't deny that. And you showed to Brodovich a talent, or it come about any kind of a talent, and he would recognize it in a split second. That was one, you know, there are many people who have many different facets, and the one is completely contradictory to the other. And this is the way they live. On the one side, they are superb. On the other side, they're almost criminal. And this is one side and the other side, and you better know it. Did you, did you know Brodovich uh, outside of your work for him? Did you know his wife? Or did you yes, I met his wife, I met his sister, I met his son very much, who was a kind of a mental case. And that was a great tragedy of his life. He was, you know, I don't know if you have seen the photograph by Kazmarek. You would see immediately what that was. That was, you see, on the verge between an idiot and not an idiot, but a very, very uh, interesting young man, very gifted and very intelligent. And the father was heartbroken and couldn't accept the fact that he couldn't function normally, couldn't have a profession, couldn't work on anything, really. He gave him from Avedon to Penn and as an assistant and that, and nothing worked because he couldn't concentrate. He was fat like this and looked completely abnormal. Mm -hmm. And yet he was very likable and very interesting. And when Brodovich then went with him to, to France, he had a terrible accident with a motorcycle and one leg was amputated. You know, now you can imagine this man with only one leg. In other words, Brodovich had terrible disasters in his life. And he was run down by a, hearst, by a hearst truck one day and broke his hip, you know, really by a hearst truck. He shouldn't have been run. <laughs> <That's really laughs> he was tragic. And then, then he, in his house, 
His house burned down several times, and once the sun put the fire on it. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And then another time, a kind of a, I don't know what, a half a ceiling or what fell on his head, and he was half dead. He was accident prone. But you know, it is very interesting because he, I was completely independent from him in my work. And yet, he is definitely very important. It was extremely important for me to have met Braudovich. I remember him in a completely positive way. He's an extremely interesting man who had, after all, done what nobody else ever did. And that was to give me work so that I can survive. Nobody else ever did it, only Brodovich. And that, his importance really was, he was the only person, let me paraphrase this to see if I understand you, that, that he was the only person who, number one, understood your work for what it was, but also was going to give you work. Oh, other people understood my work very well. Right. Station and, and other photographers and the museums and, and, and whatever. They, that and Abbott and everybody understood my work very well. But nobody gave me work, yeah. you see. You see. But he was a fascinating man. He would have never gotten along with Berenice. No, I can see that. You see, Berenice was too much against anything that wasn't completely straight. Yeah. And so was I. But he didn't touch me. Did, did Bernice and uh, Brodovich ever have any contact? Did she ever work for? He used she had some things in Harper's. No, maybe he published a photograph of uh, her. Yeah, I think they but they never worked together. And Bernice always thought that Brodovich uh, didn't care for her work, and Brodovich was a very great admirer of her work, which Bernice never wants to be believed. But I have talked with Brodovich many times. He could not ever not understand her work. He understood everything. And that was the kind of a thing that on the one side he was completely real, on the other side he was completely mm -hmm. phony. Yeah. With, with respect to the, uh, his, his teaching and, and your teaching, a person that you that, that cropped up that you've mentioned a few times and that his, he mentioned in that, that book, um, someone asked him about his basis for his, the way he taught his philosophy of education. And he said, if you want to know about my philosophy of education, read Krishnamurti's now that Education is the, on the Significance now of Life. This is, you know, for me, this is something I could kiss him today for. Because Krishnamurti, if there is anything, I think that Krishnamurti is the most highest intelligence that I have ever come across. So difficult. Maybe you can read it and you can enjoy what he says, but he is maybe one of those men who comes, if there is a truth, he comes to the truth without any embellishment, taking off this and that, and no guru and no religion and no this and no that, the simplest naked kind of a truth and difficult. How it was possible that a man like Brodovich would read Krishnamurti and say that this is educational is the highest thing, that is something nobody on earth can understand because three quarter of his course was phony baloney. Was was really phony. Well, it seems like it's the same relationship between uh, seeing your photographs, other people's photographs, 
and knowing them for what they were exactly. and yet not being it, able and to not do that. being in it he could see Krishna because Lee. his work Radovich's work was on the other side you see his paintings were no good he said so and the only thing that was good of course and the best in America was his layout but in Europe there are better layout men than in than Broderick. And yes. this split personality he was is, is not to be believed. What a thing that occurs to me from that really is that there, there might be a group of people that you could almost describe in that way who are not photographers, who are not artists, but who, who function like Brodovich did in, in a sense as uh, people who recognize artists, yes. people who maybe are, uh, if we're lucky, are running galleries or curators of museums who, whose, whose thing it is to do, to but not to create photographs, not to create art. But have you seen his things. book of the ballet? Yeah, the ballet book. Yeah. Now, Berenice went one page after the other, one page after the other. And when she saw the first photograph, she said, the missed photograph, another missed photograph, another missed photograph, then come an empty page. She said, that's the best. And you said, <laughs> 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 words, in other words, I would say about Brodovich, we are photographing because he had no choice. He was standing behind the, uh, I don't know what, in the, wings. in the wings, and he had a little camera that couldn't give, he had to photograph at the 15th or a 10th of a second. There was no fast film. If he wanted to photograph that, this is what going, was going to come out. Mm -hmm. And and yet, I have never seen a book of ballet that suggests ballet like that book. There is something there. Yeah. And of course, Berenice would never consider that a photograph. It's not sharp. Well, uh, it's so not sharp, and it is just letting the thing come in as it is, whatever it is, is presented and uh, get along with whatever cannot be controlled and say if something cannot be controlled and it has this aspect and why isn't that valid? Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw him the last day before he went up from the, from the hospital bed and went into the, the airplane. In 1968 he moved to France for good? Yeah, and I was there to say goodbye to him and it was an incredible kind of an affection and tenderness. And you know, there really is a great society man who came always toward me with his education, how one treated women at that time. And it was quite a beautiful relationship. Absolutely. You know, everybody who had a relationship with Ms. Brodovich was in conflict, not me. Everybody who was in relation to Diane was in conflict. I was in complete harmony with her too. Did, did Brodovich um, mention Krishnamurti to you? Is that where you heard of him originally? No, oh. oh no. I saw a book of Krishnamurti when he was in the hospital. And he said, well, this one is not the best. Uh -huh. But I never talked to him about Krishnamurti because it was really in the last moment that I discovered that. So you had, you had known about Krishnamurti before? Oh, yes, of course. When, when did you... You have all this Krishnamurti on that paper and then 
there's no harm because I don't have any. He says always the same thing. You can, if you understand what he says in one book, well, that's all right. It's not a question of understanding. It's a question if you can evaluate the right kind of state. And that's what I've never been able to do. Krishnamurti is not just a stimulant. Maybe for Brotherwich, Krishnamurti was a stimulant. Everything for Brotherwich was a stimulant. The only thing serious about Brotherwich was an enormous capacity and energy of working. They really was so much driven. You don't work. The last assignment he wanted to give me for a magazine was, he said, you know there are enormous metal discs which are put somewhere in order to catch the sound of other planets. Mm, a radio telescope. And do you like to go there and photograph? I said, you mean the discs? Well, he said, not the discs. What happens there? Mm-hmm. And I said, how on earth does one photograph that? He said, it's high time somebody tries. <laughs> that other thing switch. And I said, okay, I'll go there. And then the magazine folded, of course. <laughs> well, had you, had you read Krishnamurti like in Paris? No, no, I, I started to read Krishnamurti here and to listen to his talks. To listen to his talks? Yes. So he, he came to New York. Uh, I saw some talks that were published that he gave in California, where I guess he was based. He lived in Santa Barbara for a little while? No, he lived in Ohio. Yeah, that, right, it's near, near Santa Barbara. And now he lives in Switzerland, and he doesn't come to New York anymore. He must be fairly old by now. One doesn't know how it is. He doesn't know himself. Is he 75, 81, 78, or 82? It's, it's not clear. Well, he was, he was what, founded an orphanage and raised... Uh, oh, no, no. No? Okay. I thought that he was... Uh, no, no, no. That Annie Besant he, was the... He was not in an orphanage. He was one of the seven children of his father who was a, a government uh, worker in Madrasa, somewhere in the neighborhood of... I don't know where. Mm-hmm. And... His mother had died, and the children were educated by an aunt, and then Annie Besant, and especially this lord such and such, I don't know, I don't know what his name is, mm-hmm. came and he thought that the next messiah would be this one. But you know, if you are going to go into Krishnamurti, then I can talk for three hours about his life, <coughs> and that wouldn't be good. I don't think we need to do that today. Yeah. We never need to do that. <laughs> Might be interesting to hear sometime, but I don't, yeah. That's you better read it. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm only, yeah, we're only curious uh, about it uh, in relation to... Uh, no, no, Brotherwich and I never talked about Krishna. Well, or just directly in relationship to you. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you are, uh, were very impressed by him and... and by Krishnamurti. Yeah, and, and you, you seem to be using... I'm the, not using the, that. Krishnamurti is something... Either you use, it happens to you, that you know and you understand, but not just with your brains, but with your whole living condition, what that is all about. And your life is going to change. I mean, your attitude to life is going to change. Or you're going to read it to him forever. 
and find that this is extraordinary and marvelous, and, but you are never going to be there yourself. You're always going to be here, and you cannot reach that. And in the beginning, it was wonderful for me to read Krishnamurti every day. It enchanted me, because everything he said I felt was absolutely true. Then came the moment when I felt I'm always here, but to reach that, I have never been able to, and will I ever? And this is not a question that you can decide. This is, if you are evaluated enough to be in that kind of a situation of living, or if you are not, and I'm not. But you continue to read, read Yes, irritates the daylights out of me because I feel that how long I'm going to be here and, and not being able to change, because you have to change, and you cannot do it on purpose. But you think there's there's always the possibility that you will change. If You're I not live by trying to change. If, if I live a hundred years, and then of course it is not a question of time. It is a question of suddenly it happens. But it didn't. So there's nothing to fool around with that, or to speak about it. It's something. Which, uh, I wouldn't be as nervous and a nervous wreck if I really had sized up what that is all about. <coughs> Maybe we should look at that one group of slides. No? Okay. The yeah, we have we have. I, I have the feeling this apartment today doesn't heat up. Not as much, but we'll turn on the cool. That comes we'll here. turn on the slide projector and hope that it warms things up a little bit. <laughs> turn them all up. We should be able to set this up. You know, here. I really am not in favor that you put into the history of photography or whatever these these lousy assignments I made because they are absolutely not anything I have done. Well, I think that, that what, what will happen, uh, and in fact has happened, is that uh, anybody who is interested enough to, to know your work, both kinds, will see the difference. And, uh, you plug that in while you're and you know, we, we can't, can't ignore the fact that, that you did that work. I mean, I, and I think what, what we're doing... Uh, For instance, why don't you select couple of pages of Harper's Bazaar which are good. For instance, well, one page of a photomontage of the circus is not bad. Or one or the other picture I did for them which is not bad. <coughs> and uh, I wonder if I really ever did a good assignment. Well, we have some well, of for instance, you can tell us. This so. assignment in Look Magazine, when I went out and photographed the Lower East Side for Look Magazine, mm -hmm. and, and uh, what is the name of this poet? Sun. Oh it's a great American poet. Sandberg? Sandberg wrote seven poems. Uh -huh. You see, for instance, this is much better. Uh -huh. When was that published? I'd like to find that. That was published maybe before I worked for Harvest Bazaar. Hmm. Shall we, uh, you want to just put it on here, or do you want to move your feet for a short time, or what shall oh, we sure do? Then. Yeah, I can be very good for my feet. Let me see. You know, I was furious that they published this photograph of mine. Oh, the, it's the rich gambling woman? No, they, you see that they, why didn't they publish it all over the page? Because probably this, the format didn't go. Oh, even why didn't they bleed you it see? off like this one? Yeah, the format. Yeah, maybe you see, not. for instance, I don't like this photograph. Uh -huh. Portrait of Albert Speer. This is a photograph which is made on a superstructure and has no basis whatsoever. I don't like that at all. This is better. 
You see, you cannot, if you see this, you cannot just cut it. Uh, cut it. This one last, it's not last. Well, well let's forget uh, about that. These, uh, these are some things uh, from Harper's, and you can tell us what you think of them, whether you think these are, are any no, are I, typical of the assignments I, or, I, or what. I, and uh, we don't have some of these ones you mentioned, which we should have. Well, I have some. I mean, you may find them. Yes, I don't know. That's well, that's okay. The one on the left isn't mine. Yeah, this is the Coney Island. Yeah, you know, this was the first thing that he asked you to do, right? But yeah, but I wasn't working with them at that time. Yeah. Well, even the air coming out of this projector is cold right right now. Okay. Well, this is this is the. Well, it's, for me, this is absolutely nothing. If you would see these photographs, they're cut by the way. <coughs> Then you would see that there are strong things there. But look how this is. Look yeah, how this is. This is good. You see, this is a strong portrait of Harry James, the way he did not want to be photographed. Because that is an aspect of him he did not show. So he was very arrogant. He was very arrogant, and that's the way I photographed. Yeah, it says you cast a cold eye on his votaries. But the other things are put. You see, Berenice always was absolutely furious when she saw how he put this. Photographs like this. And yeah, here's, here's part of. Is this that is not, that's not so bad. If you isolate him in the slide and just look at the one. Well, this is not a bad photograph. Uh, not good either, but it's not too bad. Yeah, here's that the is, whole page. Uh, that is hard. And if you would see these photographs in 11 by 14, you would see this are pretty good, but not that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can just keep going through this. So that's that horrible. That's a horrible sound. Mm -hmm. that, was a, that was an advertising thing? Or something like that. What did they, did they send you out with the, these people? And the, yeah. It was dresses that were Yes, yes, yes. And I, could, I couldn't do that. Oh, was this the time you tried the fashion? Yes, something like this. No, no, that wasn't. That's, this is, that's the one I isolated from that group that I really thought was pretty interesting, that, that veil with the French written on it. I don't remember that. Sweet and wild. They're horrible. What's the... Uh, Oh, you, talked, you talked about this, this picture of ropes and... Uh, yes, with this Webster. This is nothing. Yes. It's an interesting actress, but not a good portrait. Oh, this is... That's horrible. This is kind of... <laughs> now, I wouldn't want to be represented with that. It's not me. Not at all. Okay, well, that is a little bit more... This is really absurd, this little mm -hmm. cartoon kind of in the corner, though. So what? Uh, yeah. But you know, for this time, for Harper's Bazaar, this was very good. I never took this food. Huh? No. Well, I hate to tell you this, but they you, put your name on them. Your name is on them. Let's start <laughs> right here. Well, if my name is on darling, that it really, I don't know what. Hmm. Terror. Absolutely, guys. And the layouts are horrible. No. That cannot be. Considered my work at all. Mm. Well, see, well that's a little bit better. Okay. But you, these were very strong photographs. Yeah, we have some individual ones of these yeah. cellular ones. Uh, they are cut into funny shapes. They were all mentally disturbed. All the people in this picture? Shell shocked. Ah. Oh, that doesn't, it, the story doesn't say anything about that. Yeah, shell shock. That was this woman whose name is Cummings, a millionaire who had a hospital for them in her estate in New Jersey. Hmm. Oh, I see. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is number 17. That is impossible. Yeah. What else do we have? You know, I can tell you one thing that now that I see all that, I can see how much I lost my time. How much time was wasted? Was wasted by working for this magazine in spite of the fact that it was a good magazine. Yeah. How, well, how much my work was interrupted and I did things like that for you. This is ridiculous. Well, you know, when, when uh, Dave and I were thinking about this after we spoke with you yesterday, we said, you know, that we're, we're, when we show these, we didn't expect that you were going to like them, but we were interested in what you felt about that now, like you just said. Absolutely possible. My time was lost, everything was lost. I had to survive and that was it. I couldn't photograph. Right, so we'll just go through the rest of this quickly. Now this is a article on votes by women, which is, has this band of pictures yeah. going across it. But some of these voting pictures were not bad, I remember them. Looks like some of them might have been, like the top one there might have been made and on Do the you know that side. I had to walk with my heavy suitcase and take the subway a whole day all by myself, go from one section to another and photograph and no taxi at my disposal? Somebody should ask me to do that today. Oh, that's right. It had to all be one day. It had to be election day. Yeah, you couldn't stage the election. <laughs> Here's another. This is the main photo, main page. With this other one inset into it, of course. Mm -hmm. Another fat woman. Yeah. Kind of. Now here's a... Here is uh, the sun is far. How do you feel about that photo? I think it's very bad. Bernice was absolutely shocked. She said that every photograph was lost, and it's true. They are lost. Yeah, the only thing that really does stand out is the, is the type. The body type has its own it's absolutely form. Nice. This is a picture brother which was crazy about it. There's a blind woman acting. Yeah, there are two in this, this spread that I, yeah. that I thought were quite good. Here's the other. Yeah, that's yeah. a good picture. You know, this, it's funny, I don't know, maybe it's because of the costume they're wearing, but this almost feels uh, like it could be a 19th century portrait.